1200 national days you know that 1200 today is national corn on the cob day <laughs> and national german chocolate cake day you guys know what you're having for lunch now right <laughs> but more importantly it's national children's day i think it's also in october too i don't know i can't make a mind of which national day we want to acknowledge but today is on the record national children's day i mean i think we know every day is probably children's day right if we love our kids but I think today is a, a special day we acknowledge our, our kids and just say, you know, do I spend enough time with them? I mean, do I, am I really going to look back and say, man, I regret not spending more time with my kids? That's, a, that's what we should be looking at today. Amen? And you can eat chocolate cake and, and have chocolate corn cake. on the cob. Yeah. You can have corn on the cob with your kids and chocolate cake and say, I love you. Today is National Day. It's your day. Speaking of kids, <laughs> you guys notice how everything's decorated a little bit differently around here, right? That means Vacation Bible School is coming next week, right? So, um, so we want you to, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but, um, so you guys know some kids and on National Kids Day, man, get them signed up and get them here. We want them to have a great time. They always do. And so we're just glad that, um, that you're all here to see it. We want to welcome our church online and everyone else who's watching Facebook live or whatever. Um, we're here to worship and connect to God. Amen. And that's what we want to do. So, um, got anything else, Wayne? Got anything else, Keith? You never get to talk. That's right. He's good. He's good. So Becky? You always like to talk. Anything you got? I'm staying quiet. Okay, great. All right. Michelle? All right. Cooper, we pulled Cooper off the drums this week and put him over here. So um, he's just, Cooper's awesome. So. Graduates, you survived. Awesome. I know that's great. Well, congratulations to all those. And, um, and so we're just going to worship God today. I don't know about you, but this week I need some worship of God. Um, so that's what we're going to do. All right. Let's just open with prayer. Heavenly Father, we just come to you today. We love you. And... Um, and uh, as Wayne reminded, a lot of times we have a lot of special days for certain things. And God, sometimes we just stop, we just forget to stop and just recognize that every day is a precious gift from you. And so as we worship you here today, um, just hear our prayers, hear our song. But 
Um, more importantly, God, just touch our hearts and give us what you need us to have. And we'll give you the praise and glory and honor. In Christ's name, amen.
day your love never fails and you stay the same through the ages your love never changes there may be pain in the night but joy comes in the morning I don't have to be afraid Because I know that you love me Your love never fails Wind is strong and the water's deep But I'm not alone here in these open seas your love never fails The chasm is far too wide I never thought I'd reach the other side But your love never fails And you stay And you stay the same through the ages Joy comes in the morning And when the oceans rage I don't have to be afraid Because I know that you love me for my good you make all things work together for my good you make all things work together for my good you make all things work together for my good and you make all things work together for my good. Hey, hey. Here we go. You stay the same. And you stay the same through the ages. Your love never changes. There may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. You make all things work together 
excited. You know, we, we sing songs, and um, so many of us need to just really open up that uh, the sorrow lasts for the night, that we need that joy in the morning in our lives and in our world. And so, God, um, help us just recognize that no matter what happens, no matter what we face, that all things work together for your, for your good. And, God, um, just be here with us today um, for whatever we, we have going on in our lives, God. We just know you are the answer. And um, be there, be with us here, present in our in your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. All right, the children are not going to go right now um, because we're going to go ahead. I want you to have a seat. We're going to have a. Um, All right, Debbie, I'm going to ask Debbie DiRigilio, our lay leader, to come up. And, um, thank you, Debbie. and I'm also going to ask now uh, Tony and Christina, right, Dominic, and also they're going to bring with them both Ryan Anthony and Jenna Marie. Right, you guys can stand right over here in the light so everybody gets to see you. Sound good? All right. All right. All right, brothers and sisters in Christ, the sacrament of baptism, we personally and together acknowledge uh, the saving grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. The saving grace that we call salvation is God's free gift. Yes, it is offered to us without a price, but as Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the great theologian who died in, in a uh, prison camp in Nazi Germany, um, said um, that it's not cheap. It costs Christ his life, and so we must recognize that. Um, through baptism, we are identified with Christ and his holy church and incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation. The water symbolizes washing and cleansing, uh, for in Christ we are made pure from sin. The water serves as a sign, as with circumcision in the Old Testament, of entering into a covenant of faith. As Wayne reminded us today on National Worldwide Children's Day, children are a gift from God. How many of you have teenagers? Remember that, okay? Um, so children are a gift from God. In Psalm 127.3, it says that sons are a heritage from the Lord and children are a reward from him. As believers, we are called to recognize that children belong first and foremost to God. And God in his goodness gives children to us and gives us the gift of being parents. They not only, parents not only have the awesome responsibility of caring for this gift, but also the wonderful privilege of enjoying the gift because children belong to God and are given by grace that undeserved favor as gifts to parents, it's only proper that we be dedicated back to the Lord. Debbie? We are told in 1 Samuel 1 that Hannah presented her son Samuel to the Lord. In Luke 2.22, we read that Mary and Joseph brought their baby to the temple in Jerusalem in order to present him before the Lord. In the same way, Tony and Christina today bring their son, Ryan Anthony Dominic, and their daughter, Jenna Marie Dominic, presenting first themselves and ultimately Ryan and Jenna before the Lord our God. We are here today to recognize as the body of Christ, Ryan and Jenna are being brought by their parents to be baptized. As the family of God, we recognize God's love that is already at work in their lives. We pray for the day when Ryan and Jenna will mature and respond to the saving grace of God, accepting Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and pledging themselves to a lives 
to lives of faithful discipleship. All right, bow your heads with me for a prayer and a blessing over the water. Bless, O God, um, and now, Father, look upon with your love, your church, and also unseal for us the fountain of baptism. By the power of your Holy Spirit, bless this gift of water. Bless Ryan and Jenna who receive it so that they may uh, participate in the sacrament of Christ and their Holy Spirit will protect them until they choose to accept Jesus Christ for themselves as their Savior and Lord and pledge their lives in faithful discipleship. And as they journey with your Holy Spirit, protect and guide them in that journey with Christ. All right. So here we go. Tony and Christina. As members of the covenant community of God through your own confession of faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, will you nurture Ryan and Jenna in Christ's holy church that by your teaching and your example, they may be guided to accept God's grace for themselves and profess their faith openly and lead to a Christian life. If you do so, say we will. All right. Okay, good. So that's what they said. Now, I always like to share what they said. They said that they would go ahead and that just as they've got to change diapers, you changed the diaper or two over the years? Okay, yeah. I, uh, all right. I had five, so I changed them for 10 years. We, we had them in for 10 years. Um, and so have you had to feed them? Okay, yeah, you got to feed your kids. You know, there's not, not good to do that. And you have to make sure all kinds of other things are done, they're bathed and all that stuff. Just as you're doing that, they also said that we recognize that there's a spiritual nature here and that they're promising that they will raise Christ. Uh, raise the children in Christ's church. Okay, your turn. As the covenant community of faith gathered here, will you surround both Ryan and Jenna and um, the, the parents as well before you with a community of love, forgiveness, that they may grow in their trust of God? And if you do so, say we will. Okay, great. Now let me tell you what you all said we will too. Okay, and everybody next to you knows you said we will. So now you're, you're, um, you're liable for this. Um, what we're saying here is that you said, they've said that they want to raise them in the Christian faith until they're able to choose for themselves. You said that we will do everything we can to provide an environment that they choose to do so here, that that's where they, that that's what you'll back up. That means that you'll make sure that they're doing it. It also means those of you who are real close to them, that if they're not doing their job, you're going to get after them a little bit, okay? And it also means that if, if they're, they can't do it, that you're going to be willing to help and step in and help that, okay? So we kind of just say we wills and I do's and stuff in churches and don't think anything about it. All right, so we want to do that. So, all right, let me see Ryan. Come here, Ryan. You want to come to me? Come here, it'll be cool. We'll have, we'll have fun. You ready? Okay, look here. Look at this. You want to put your hand in there? You want to touch that? Do you like water? Go ahead. Touch it. Nah, he says no. All right, Ryan Anthony Dominic, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Oh, all right. You want to go back to daddy? Here you go. He's like, who's this strange man putting water on my head? <laughs> All right, here we go. Good job, buddy. Give me five. Hey, you want to give me five? Come here. High five. There we go. All right. Here we go. Come here, sweetheart. How are you? How are you? All right. All right, Jenna Marie Dominic, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. What do you think, sweetie? Huh? Was that so bad? <laughs> look at that look. All right. So you ready? Here we go. Here you go. Wait, you got a death grip right there, girl. Okay, here we go. Ready? Here we go. Jesus, draw me close. Closer, Lord, to you. Let the world around me Fade away, 
Jesus, draw me close, closer, Lord, to you, for I desire to worship and obey. There we go. All right, here you go, Mom. One more high five. I usually walk around, but I'm afraid he'll take me out. So, all right. So, um, all right. So, in in um, remembrance of this day, um, Mom's got her hands full here. Okay. So, who can I give these to? Right here. We've got a flower for each right here, and we also have certificates right here for you uh, to commemorate this day. I'll pass them off here as well. And so, uh, we're thrilled. So, God bless. God bless you, brother. Thank you. All right, let's give him a hand. I got a smile and a cry. That's awesome. Okay. Usually when I was dating, that was the reverse. I got the cries from the women and the smiles from the guys. That's pretty cool. So. Um, all right, at this time, we're going to go ahead and dismiss our children and young people. They can go to the Sunday school or Shoreline Ministry. Um, so uh, they're going to head out there, and they'll have a good time as we exist out there. All right, hopefully you're able to fill out, and Keith's bringing me the um, prayer request. Make sure you fill those out when you, um, when you come in, and if you're online, you can go ahead and do that. If you forgot right now, you can go ahead, take out your smartphone, jump online, and add it there, and it'll go on our prayer list, all right? So first thing I want to do is welcome visitors. We want to welcome all our visitors here and thank you for being here. Um, whether you're watching online for the first time or whether you're here for the first time, welcome. If you're here for the first time, hopefully you received the card that you can fill it out. We have a small gift for you. Thank you for being part of the church um, here today. And we just want you to, main thing is relax and just hear what God has for you and have, have a good time. That's what we want. Um, you can see we went ahead and moved uh, the new member thing to September. We'll talk more about that later in the area. You have an insert um, on Stephen Ministry. So go ahead, and um, you, can, you can find out the information about that. That's for people who really need somebody who are going through hurting. Um, they've been trained. As a matter of fact, today we want to pray for Joanna as she has gone for uh, Stephen Ministry training. She left on, an, on a um, plane this morning and is headed down to Florida for the week of training. And it's very in-depth training um, by professionals. And Stephen Ministry was started by a man who was a Christian and a psychologist or psychiatrist and really wanted lay people to have the skills to be able to be there for one another. So that's what, um, it's, it's awesome. And you can see the information. Some also, we will be doing another training for people who are interested in the fall, if you're interested there as well. Vacation Bible School, one week away. Um, you can see uh, Maker Fun Factory, that God um, built a purpose for Vacation Bible School. You can see starting on the 19th. Anything I got to share besides that? Vacation Bible School? Nope. Well, all good. Just register and sign up. Out here, or you can also do it online as well, I believe. So, all right, so make sure you do that. Um, right next to Wayne, Wayne will start passing that back. Remember, all you, all you guys who said I will to the, to the baptism, here's your chance right now. Um, our Sunday school teachers go ahead, and we have some that take uh, shifts and do other kinds of things, and they do that, and some of them do it um, forever. Um, and they do that so everyone else can have an opportunity to worship. If you, li- if you like kids, um, that's what we're asking. If you like kids and you're here and you love the Lord, we're going to go ahead and um, we provide everything for you. If you were willing to take a week or two, we really need somebody for next week. But if you'd really um, be willing to take a week or so, we're going to pass that around, make sure it gets to each side. Um, and we're going to try to give the gift to our Sunday school teachers of giving them a break because um, they do it all year, every week. 
Um, even in the summer, they've done it. So we want to try to give some of them a break um, on serving. And if, every, if all serve, then um, very few have to, have to do it. So please, if you like, feel led to do that, go ahead and do so. Um, now, we're also going to have someone come and share about our mission trip. We are leaving for Haiti on August the 5th through um, the 11th. There are 16 people that are there. You can see the cost of that. And you, can, um, you also have the information here. Um, some are called to go, and others are called to help others go as well. So um, you can go ahead. Jake, you're missing a Kate, right? Yeah. Good morning. I'm Jake. Um, I've wanted to go on a mission trip for a long time, but uh, several years ago, or about a year ago, I was supposed to go to Haiti, just like we are this year, and it fell through at the last minute because the guy I was supposed to go with had some family emergency. His wife had to have surgery. But um, like I've said, I've always wanted to go on one. Um, I've worked with some very tough and hard-hearted guys over the years that have done trips like this, and they've come back with just incredible stories. I think it would be great to go out and venture out and share the Jesus, the word of Jesus with other people, but this year we cannot because uh, it's real close to my wife's due date with our second child. So uh, we decided to just stick around and help with the fundraising and help support the trip. All right, All right good. Thank Just had to go and have that baby, right? And so yeah, we're glad. We're glad. That's awesome. Good job. So thank you. Thank you, Jake, um, for sharing about that and helping us. So you can help by making a contribution, a pledge of support, which doesn't need to be completed until the end of the year, um, December 31st. You can donate online. And everybody, we want you to be praying for all those who are going and who are part of the mission trip. Okay? Um, you can look at the other announcements and other kinds of things that are there, but we just wanted to highlight some others. Okay, let's, we have um, our prayer concerns and, um, and time there, so we want to lift up those in prayer. Um, Jen Legullo has asked for prayers for Dawn Miller. We asked for prayers for Abby. Uh, she fell hard on the sidewalk last night, messed up her knees, elbow, and hand. Um, also, uh, Joe Fleming added this, but um, we're going to lift it up. Um, ask you to pray for Donnie Ewing's family. His daughter's here. I saw her today. Um, Donnie was a great friend of mine for 30 plus years. And Donnie uh, passed away very suddenly from a heart attack. Um, and uh, it makes no sense. Um, but um, I know he's, he's in heaven. And so that's, that's my piece. Pray for his family, his children, his son and his daughter, um, all his friends, which is everybody on God's green earth. Um, and not only have I lost somebody who I love dearly and love me dearly, but I lost a lot of joy in my life. Um, so just continue to lift everybody in your prayers, particularly on Monday night as the, um, the viewing and um, visitation, and then on Tuesday uh, as Karen, Reverend Karen Bennell and I participate in the service to honor this incredible life that touched so many people. So just keep us in your prayers and everybody in your prayers as we, as we go toward that. All right, and we just want to pray for everybody else. If you have other prayer concerns um, or joys, please go ahead and put those down on, um, on the sheets or also online, all right? Okay, let's go to the Lord in prayer at this time. Heavenly Father, we come to you now, and as life occurs many times, it, um, it absolutely makes no sense. Um, and so, God, we're, many of us are going through that right now with the loss of a great friend and father and you name it. And so, a son, and so, Lord, um, just uh, heal the hearts of those of us who are hurting. Um, and then, God, also be with those who have illnesses and sicknesses. Um, thank you, God, for the joys as we get to celebrate birthdays and other kinds of milestones with one another. 
But God, let us just recognize that um, for every single one of us, we are in that terminal disease called life. And what matters is how we make that connection with you, God, uh, and through your son, Jesus Christ. And so as we come together here today, may we make that connection with you and have that relationship uh, with you. Because that's why you came in the first place, to give us eternal life. And so, God, we have, on this world, we have been so blessed by so many things, particularly those of us in this country, and we've been so blessed by relationships and by family and um, by, a church, by the freedom to worship, and with all of our problems in this world, we recognize that we are still blessed. And so, God, one of the blessings is that we have provision. And so, God, at this time, um, where much of the world it lives on, well, most of the world lives on $2 or less a day. We come to you now and we give back a portion of your gift and your tithe and our offering in order that you may multiply that and use that here to further your kingdom, not only here and in our community, but around the world, God, and that you may be lifted high, that many people come to know you through um, our faithfulness. And for that, we give you praise in Christ's name. Amen.
Check, check. This morning's reading is from Daniel chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Uh, sections titled, The Image of Gold in the Blazing Furnace. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, 60 cubits high and 60 cubits wide, and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, Nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Love it, don't you? Don't lie. Okay. All right. Good seeing everybody today. Um, we are in our week two of a series on Daniel. Um, Daniel is an Old Testament book, and um, it is it contains twelve chapters. Um, don't worry, we're not going through all of them. It's not a twelve week uh, series, but um, it's divided in two different things. Um, the first six uh, chapters are basically history books. Um, the the Bible, as we said, is not chronological because um, they weren't worried about chronological time. They were just worried about um, some topic things. But this is in a section. You have, you have poetry. You have history. You have um, all kinds of other things as well. Um, and in this section here, Daniel is in what is called the major prophets. The major prophets. It's not because he like made the big leagues of the prophets. It's just because they looked to him. He has a lot more stuff that exists there. Um, because the last six chapters of the book are all prophecy. Matter of fact, it's quoted and it matches up almost perfectly to Revelation. And so, a couple other things that we have here: um, Daniel um, was about 16 years old when he was taken by King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon, which is modern-day Iraq. Okay, and so Daniel was there. He died at the age of 90. So he spent all of his entire uh, Young adult, well, we say adult life, considering he was Jewish and they would have been Mar Mitzvah. So, from 16 years old till 90, he spent it in Babylon in captivity. And he lived through four kings because they, Nebuchadnezzar, and you'll see that here today, Nebuchadnezzar was in Iraq, and then um, the Medes and the Persians, who were led by a king named Darius, ended up uh, taking over. And they had this kind of conquest that happened. But Daniel lived through four different kings. And so, um, what, you know, when we think about this, here's all, you know, about one third of the Bible is about prophecy and telling us stuff 
that we need to plan for in the future. And you might wonder why. And I think that's because God wants to warn us, to share some information with us. And Daniel basically, for his, um, his years, you know, almost 80 years, living in captivity, uh, lived in a culture that was ungodly, and he constantly had a struggle with living as a person for God. Now, I don't know about you, but as I turn on the news, as I look around, as I go to Walmart, um, I find out that it's kind of ungodly, right? Take somebody's parking spot and see how much they love you. Okay, that's what I'm saying. But you see that kind of all over the place. And so I believe that Daniel is very fitting for us here today where we can go ahead and connect how difficult it is to live godly in an ungodly culture. And today we're going to talk about what I believe is one of the biggest test of your faith that we have here. And we're going to use two stories from Daniel that are separated by 23 years of his life. And we're going to start in chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, um, etc., and then in chapter 6. Everybody with me? Everybody good? So if you have your Bible, you can keep it out. If you don't have a Bible, you can download the app. It's awesome. They're free. The Bible apps are free. Or you can get to Haven's app and you can download and we'll connect you to a Bible or what have you. They're, they're easy to have. You can have a lot of stuff um, with you. So here we are. Um, I'm going to read. You can see by your, um, by your sheet today, there's not a ton of blanks. And, every, and those of you who don't like to fill in blanks, you can say yes. Everybody say who doesn't like to fill in blanks? Okay, I found you. We'll find you after church. Okay, um, and, but uh, then if you like to read and see a lot of scripture, those of you who don't like that, you can say, uh-oh. Okay, there we have some of each. So, um, but that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at these uh, today. So I'm going to be touching on a lot of scripture to go ahead and make things together. So if you bear with me, here we go. Um, and Andy, great job reading all those things. I'm going to read them again this time. All right. So King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, and it was 60 cubits by 6 cubits uh, wide. So high, 60 by 6. Anybody know what a cubit is? Here, I'll tell you. Here we go. It was 90 feet tall by 9 feet wide. So pretty big. Am I right? And the image was of himself. So you talk about somebody who has like a narcissistic personality. Here you go. King Nebuchadnezzar said... Here is my statue, and he puts it that big. He summoned the satraps, the prefects, the governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image that he had set up. So, here we go again, right, Andy? The satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officers assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they all stood before it. You know what they, why they say that several times? They want you to know who's there. They want to tell you that the, these people are all the people who make everything happen. It would be like, all of, like if all of Congress came and all of governors and all of the local officials and anybody who made anything happen, the military officials, all those were there and they had to listen to this guy. So here's what happened. So it says, the herald loudly proclaimed, when, uh, uh, he said, nations and people of all, every language, this is what you are commanded to do. Notice the term there, commanded to do. Here's what you are commanded to do. As soon as uh, you hear the horn, flute, zither, I'm not sure what a zither is, but if you have one and you hear it, it's what you got to do. The lyre, um, if you've got one of those lyre things laying around, a harp, a pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set. So how many of you have heard music today? If you're in church, you've heard it, okay? Um, if you, how many, how many, when you get on your way here, riding here, may have had the radio on? Anybody? How many heard music? How many did music wake you up? 
How many still have that annoying little ah, ah, ah thing going on, all right? Um, but we are surrounded by music. How many of you have somebody in your life who hums all the time? How many wish they would stop? Okay, so you have people who hum. You have, I mean, how many have those annoying little whistlers? Okay, oh, Tommy's a whistler. Okay, there you go. But yeah, there's people who just whistle, um, you know, uh, all the time. They're like one of the dwarfs, I guess, you know, whistly. Um, but we have people. We are very musical. Anybody have anybody who snaps around all the time? Anybody have anybody? Anybody have a kid who's a beatbox like... My, yeah, my daughter Rachel, she gets it honestly, okay? Um, so, but my, my parents always said I did nothing but make noise when I was a kid, always. I'd be in the back, you know, I just made up sounds, okay? I still kind of do, but I don't want to make them up. My body does now. So, um, but, so we live in this time where we have, you know, we, are, we have all kinds of stuff. We like music around us. So imagine if every time you heard music, that means when you walk into a store and they have that music kind of garbage playing, or, you know, or it's like, kind of like a kid's bop version of stuff, which kid's bop is my idea of hell. Um, anybody ever listen to that? That is horrible. Um, so, and what they do to those poor kids is awful on National Ch- Children's Day. Don't do kids about Okay, so um, I'm sorry. It's just my pet peeve. Um, but anyway, so um, here they are. Imagine if every time you heard music, you had to bow down to, an, to this image. Okay, think about all that would take place in your life that you had to do that for. And so this is what had happened. They said every time you heard that music, you must fall down wherever you are and worship that image of King Nebuchadnezzar. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into where? The blazing furnace. Okay? So this is what you notice. You are commanded to do. And notice there's a difference there that is commanding you to worship something. And today in our lives, whether we realize it or not, we have passively been commanded to worship things in the culture that are opposed to what God desires and opposed to our faith. We do it all the time. And so here we are in a situation, and we do it. And what happens at first is we push against it, but as the culture shifts more and more, we get used to it. And it becomes part of our our nature as well. So if it wasn't worship, you were going to be thrown into the fiery furnace. Now notice that this worship is done out of fear. And that's not the intention of the Christian faith, which is to be done worship out of love. Now I will tell you, I've been around churches forever, and I know that some people had you worship God by dangling you over the fires of hell and hitting you over the head with an 80-pound Bible. You know, with me? Anybody been part of those? All right? And they usually breathe a lot heavy, you know, when they're doing it, okay? But, and they make lots of noises, too. But anyway, when you have that happen, you are fear into accepting and worshiping God. And that is no place in, in Christ Jesus. No place. So hear that. If that's all you get today, awesome. Take it. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar, we know from ancient writings in cuneiform, that he was ruthless, but he he, he liked justice. If he made a decree, it was law. And he was not a nice guy. He liked himself and no one else. He would use people. Remember last week, we said they found the captive Israelites and picked the cream of the crop from royal families, those who were highly intelligent. And he gave them the best stuff and made them as part of their heirs. One of them was Daniel, and other three were... uh, Mishael and Hananiah, and we, we went through the, uh, uh, Azariah, which we know as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, okay? So, here we are. Everybody with me? I'm covering a lot of stuff, so hang in there. So Nebuchadnezzar, there's even written in this ancient cuneiform that Nebuchadnezzar, somebody was a second offender, and he had him beheaded, and he had a 
statue made of the person's head to say this is what happens to you if you don't obey my law. Second offender, okay? You got one shot, if that. So many of us live in that same area where we compromise ourselves. And that's the first goal of the enemy. The first goal of the enemy is to get you to worship something you don't believe in. So what do you do when society, culture says this is good, this is good, but you feel that it's not, what do you do? Well, in story one, we find out that they tell you, you, the story that we just read, you must worship this way. You have to worship this way. Okay? Now, hold that right there. Everybody got that one? That's number one. Now let's jump to number two. I put in your bulletin for you because why? Because I love you. There we go. Okay, here we go. So in Daniel chapter 6, verses 5 through 9, this is 23 years later, we're dealing with Daniel. And it says right here, finally these men. Now, in that 23 years, King Darius, here we go, here's Iraq, here is the area, what we would know more so as Iran and areas, and they, the Medes and the Persians have now invaded. You wonder why Iraq and Iran have always had problems? Here you go. All right? So they came in. They conquered them. King Darius is now king. King Darius is a nice guy. He likes Daniel a lot. Not for what he can do for him, but he just likes Daniel. So here's what he does. He has these, it says, these men, and these were other men who were working for King Darius, were jealous of Daniel. And they knew that he was such a good guy that they would never find anything against him. So here, look at what they say when they do this here. So he says, we will never find any basis of charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has to do something with the law of his what? So now what they do, if they can't find anything about him, they're going to attack his religion. Just let that settle in for a while, okay? They're going to attack his faith. And so here's what they say they're going to do. So the administrators and the satraps went as a group to the king and said, Oh, King Darius, live forever. That's sucking up to the king. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days, except you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, O king, issue the decree and put it in writing so it cannot be altered in accordance with, with the laws which the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. That was their law. Once they put something as an edict written, even the king could not go against what he wrote. All right? So they put it in writing. And then what does it say here? So King Darius put it in writing. What we're looking at here, in case you're wondering, what in the world does this have to do with me in my life now? I'm getting there. Okay? What happens here is these stories are about the biggest test of your faith that I believe we have now and in the end times. The stories are about and they're for your worship. They're about what will take your worship. What is it that we worship and give to? What we find out is at the end of time, it's a battle over worship. In the beginning of time, it also started in a battle over worship. From Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 23, you can write them down and look at yourself. There was an angel. It was a great angel. And he was a cherub. And he was also an archangel because a third of the heavens fell with him. And he was the worship leader in heaven. His name was Lucifer. And Lucifer was was one of God's most gorgeous creations, what we know from both Ezekiel and Isaiah. And the scripture tells us that he led worship in heaven. That he just led worship. And he liked it so much and he was so good at it that one day he said, it says, he starts with five eyes. I will exalt myself. I want to worship. 
I want the worship for me. I'm the one who's leading it for this God guy. No, I want it. And so when Lucifer did that, you can imagine God wasn't too happy and said, all right, done. And he cast him out from heaven. And um, and then many people believe that that actually is what occurred between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then you have this, many people believe that the fall of Lucifer was there. And then you had, and the earth was formed without void, and the Spirit of the Lord swept across the deep. Because many people believe when Satan fell, it destroyed the original creation. But that's a whole other time, and we could go on that for years. But let me tell you, so this is the situation that happened. Worship leader in heaven, Lucifer, he's leading it. Everybody's praising. Then Lucifer is so influential, so good, that he says, I want the worship for myself. God says, no, a third of the heavens fall with him. Everybody with me right now? Now, God starts to put stuff back together and starts to recreate or create. And guess what he did in order? Now there's no worship leader in heaven. So guess, I want you to listen to this. This is good. Guess who the worship Guess who the, the worship leader is now? You. You see, God created man and woman to worship him. Because now he doesn't have him in heaven anymore, doesn't want it from him, and he wants it from you and me. I think that's cool. Do you think that's cool? So here we have this situation where there's no worship leader anymore in heaven, but God says, let us create man, let us create woman, and we will have fellowship. And that's the reason why the scripture says God inhabits our what? Praise you with me? You guys look like you're numb. Here we go. I know this shirt kind of messes with you, but wait, God. Okay, here we go. Um, so it's your job to worship God. So you wonder why Satan hates you so much. You took his job. You took his job when he was kicked out, and he got it. Now, has anybody ever had somebody take your job? Do you love him? You go up and kiss him and say, I'm so glad you left me unemployed. No, nobody does that. And so now what he wants to do he wants to keep you completely from worshiping. He wants you to stop worshiping God. In Revelation, it tells you it is God's pleasure that you are created. It's for God's pleasure. You are musical. Remember we have gone this. God gave you percussion instruments. Right? God gave you a voice. I know some of you, it's really bad, but the scripture says, make a joyful noise. Right? So you open that thing. I'm sorry for the people that are around you, but make that joyful noise to the Lord. That's awesome. He gave you a voice to sing. He gave you musical instruments in your being to praise and and worship him. In Psalm 150, it says, let everything that has breath, what? Praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. You see, you were created to worship, and Satan hates it. The whole thing started with a battle for worship, and it's going to end with a battle for worship. In 2 Thessalonians, there's a verse here. It talks about the Antichrist. And it says, don't let anyone deceive you. Why does it say that? Why does it say, don't let anyone deceive you? If I said, don't get deceived when you go talk to that person, what does that mean? It means you could be deceived, right? And many of us may say, I'm not deceived. I'm never deceived. Anybody ever been fooled by somebody? All right. Yeah. Did you think you were going to be fooled by the person first? No, the people who are deceived are the people who say they don't, aren't deceived. And you're only not deceived when you know you're not deceived. Got this? <laughs> Basic stuff, right? Okay. Um, so the scripture says, look at what it says here as we continue on. This Antichrist, for the day will come until the rebellion occurs 
And the man of lawlessness, as he's called, is revealed. The man, and I love what the scripture says, doomed to destruction. In other words, he's going to get it in the end anyway. And he will do what? Oppose and exalt. In the nature of Satan. He will oppose God and exalt himself. Okay? And then everything that is, is called God or is worshipped, so he sets, so that's what he hates, so he sets himself up in God's temple proclaiming. So what he does, he creates an idol of himself, puts it in there, and goes ahead. Now, I'm not going to read this, but you can go ahead and look this up later. Revelation chapter 13, verse 14 through 17. We're talking a lot about end times. If you hang in here at the end of the series, that's what we're going to talk about. Okay? And I really believe we're headed in those times, if not already in there. It says that people will be deceived. He creates an image of himself in the temple, which Jesus called the abomination of desolation. Um, and then he is to be worshipped. And if he's not worshipped, you will be killed. And everybody will go ahead and receive a mark on your um, forehead or on your hand, right? So that means when you go to Walmart, you check out for groceries, bloop, you rub your head across the thing like that. And you're, bloop, you know, I, I just think that's probably what you do, you know, I mean. Or maybe like this, but I just want to go, you know, like that, okay? So if you receive that. Now, if you don't receive that, means that you believe in Jesus. If you receive it, it becomes your currency, and you've got to use it to buy anything in the world, okay? Now, years past, people were wondering why, but guess what? It's pretty easy now, isn't it? It could be really easy with the technology and stuff that we have. And so, and we were talking about this the other night in Bible study. Just imagine in the, in the chaotic world that we have, that you have someone who receives an injury that dies and pretty much comes back and brings peace to the world. Wouldn't that be somebody that we would say, wow, let's follow them. See, it's easy to be deceived when we look at it from a world perspective. But, but we're to be ready. And so that's what's happening. It's warning us. And what is this all about? If the beginning is a, is a battle for worship and the end is a battle for worship, and Daniel is telling you, watch out, somebody's going to take your worship, we got to look at the world around us right now. We've got to look at Daniel, what he's warning us in these prophetic things to do. And so there's two things that the spirit of Satan, the spirit of the Antichrist, or in a, in a culture that is ungodly, wants to take from you. And here's what it is. It wants you to go ahead and exalt people over God. Or anything over God. It'll cause you to find things to worship in your life. We live in a very hedonistic society. And hedonism is based off of pleasure. And is based off of feelings. You know, feelings. Nothing more than feelings, right? We, we do that. You say, I, how many of you have ever said in the last week, I don't feel like doing that? How many have had your children say, I don't feel like doing that? How many have done something that you didn't feel like doing? Right. How many of you, if you didn't have a choice to do that, how many of you didn't have a choice, you would feel like not going to work tomorrow? Right? How many of you would feel like going to the beach and feel like not paying for it? Right? You know, there's things that we don't feel like we should do, but we do them. And we live in a time where there's a moral relativism and a moral fluidity where we don't really know what's right or wrong. Many of you know that I teach over at Cecil College, and one of the classes I have is ethics, and I also teach philosophy. And the concept to get across to people today that there is a moral objective and there's a moral law and there's a, a code that is right or wrong is foreign to everybody today. Most people believe it's you do what you feel like doing as long as you don't mess with my feelings and then I'll do what I do and we can just feel differently and we'll be okay because everybody's feeling something. And we call that morality. And when we have no basis of morality, we have no basis for anything. 
And, you know, some churches are guilty with the same thing, where they say, you know, I know, you know, God is a God of love. True. But as I read the scripture, he's also a God of justice. And he's a God that loves us so much. You know, I love my kids. I love my kids a lot. I love them so much that I'm not going to let them smoke crack in the middle of my house. Right? And just say, you know, I love you guys. Go ahead. You know? I love my kids so much that I'm not going to let them run a house of prostitution out there to make money. That's how much I love my kids. I'm going to say no. And I love my kids enough when they do stupid stuff to get on them and say, you do that again, I'm going to thrash you. I'm going to take your phone. I'm going to take your car. I'm going to take your life, right? (laughs) Because I love them. That is just love. Not love that says, "Eh, go do what you want. Go play in 995. That's okay. I love you. No, that's not love. That's actually fear. We're afraid that they won't love us if we do something that protects them. And that's wrong. And so why would we think that God as our Father in heaven that loves us would let us get away with stuff that damages us beyond belief? We've got to stop thinking that way. Satan's goal is that he doesn't want God to get worship, and he can't get it himself from us. Anybody attended satanic worship lately? No. But what he does is he puts so much in the culture that is good and appealing that we give our worship to that. We put it there. And we all fall in love with other things. And God's not upset that we fall in love with other stuff, but he doesn't like the fact that we fall in love with that more than we do him. Like, for instance, it could be sports, it could be fishing, it could be hunting, it could be work, it could be money, it could be shopping, it could be lust, it could be our career, it could be my feelings, it could be um, whatever it could be to get us tricked off our focus that we start to, to, to love more than God. It doesn't matter, but it could be something. There is a battle for our worship, and we need to begin to look at what that is. It's already happening in our world today where we're being told to do things that we may find that are against our faith. So what do they do in story number one? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel chapter 3, 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king. They're getting ready. They were found guilty of not bowing down and worshiping. His idol, and he said, said, O king, we do not need to defend ourselves to you on this matter. If, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, God is able. God is able to defend us from it. He can save us from it. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God that we serve is able to save us from it. So one of the things that we need to know when we're in that conflict between what we worship is that God is able even if the repercussions come. That means if you can't have your job because somebody says you can't do this thing, but you feel that God wants you to and wants you to stand up for him, God is able to get you another job. All right? That means God is able to do those things. And I love that they're able to do that. But then this verse right here, look at this verse. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image that you have set up. Don't you love that faith? That I know that God is able to do it, but even if he doesn't. And I got to tell you, From a personal perspective this week, I am having problems with that last part. Because I know that God is able to keep us here. I know that God is able and gave us breath and gives us life. I know he's able. 
But I got to tell you, I'm struggling with, but even if he doesn't, because I lost one of my best friends in my life. I'm like, God, I need, first thing I said was, God, I need him in my life. I need somebody who loves Jack for Jack and is stupid with me and makes me laugh and always cares about me regardless, even to his own detriment. And I'm not alone in that. I need him. And God, I know you're able. Well, why didn't you? Why didn't you? And you know what? I'm going to tell you something. It doesn't make sense. But guess what? I'm still not going to bow down to what the world wants me to bow down. Because in it all, that's all I got. And that's all I need. And I know that my buddy Donnie, that's what he had. And I know right now he's running in heaven somewhere waiting for me. I know that. Because I'm passing through here myself. You see, God is able. And Donnie knew that. And I know that. And even though I have a problem with it right now, my choice of worship is not going to change from my God. It's not going to change from the one who gave his life on the cross. Because that's the one who through I'm going to go get to be able to spend eternity with my friend again. And so although my faith shakes, and I've had periods of sadness and anger and frustration, I serve a God who loves me and is been there with me and who understands. You see, because what Satan wants to do in this world is not only do what to exalt others and other things in front of God, the next thing that he wants to do is to stop me from worshiping God. Let's talk about feeling. Do you think I wanted to put together this sermon today? Do you think I wanted to get out of bed? But I need to worship. I need it today. I need to somehow in the darkness of the valley of the shadow of death connect to my God who is the truth and the life. That's what I need. Because all of this means nothing without him. Satan wants to stop the worship of God. And when we stand for God, we're going to do what Daniel did. Let's look at what Daniel did. The second story. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, that he was going to be thrown into the lion's den if he didn't stop worshiping God, what did he do? He went home and cowered and said, I'm never going to be able to worship again. No, look what he said. He went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem, and he prayed three times a day as he got on his knees, giving thanks to God just as he had done before. He changed nothing but made it more intense. And these men went as a group and they found him doing that and they ran off and they told King Darius, did you say that the decree, if anybody did that, they would be thrown into the lion's den? He said, yes, I did. And he said, guess what? We found Daniel. And Darius went, uh-oh, because I love Daniel. I love him. He's one of my prized people here in the kingdom. But because he issued that decree, he had to follow through with it. And he said, the decree stands. And so they went and they grabbed Daniel. They threw him into a lion's den. And the scripture tells us that Darius couldn't sleep that night. He walked around and he was just, he threw him in this lion's den. And they were hungry lions. They kept him hungry. And he's walking around and he said, Daniel, Daniel. So the, the, the sun comes up in the morning. He runs to the area and he yells out. He doesn't even look over. He goes, Daniel, are you there? And Daniel goes, yeah, I'm just here petting the kitties. 
And I love what King Darius does. He says, get him out. He yanks them out. And those men who set Daniel up and wanted to throw him, he gave them. And they became Meow Mix for breakfast that day. And they, and they ate them and devoured them. And he said, and Daniel rose up. Because Daniel knew when he was going into the lion den, just what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did, that I'm going in. And the heat's on. And them lions are hungry. And they want to tear me apart. And many of us are going through something in our lives that we feel like the lions are around, that the heat is up, and we feel like we can't take anymore, and it makes sense in this world. But let me tell you, the only way you get through it is that in the furnace, Nebuchadnezzar said, there's, we, how many people did you put in there? He said, three. He said, how come there's four and there's one that looks like the Son of God? And it was so hot that the people who threw him in burned up. And they went out and they didn't even smell like smoke. Daniel Spent a night in a hungry lion's den, and they were so hungry when the other suckers came in there, they chewed them up. And Darius said, you know what? Your God is the real God. That's who the real God is. Here's the point of all this. The greatest test in battle is over what we worship. So you say, okay, Jack, how, and I know I'm going on a little bit, but just bear with me today. How do we know? How can we check to see what we're doing? I'm going to share this very briefly. There's something called the great commandment, and we're going to deal with it in Mark chapter 12, verse 30 where it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is also the Shema, um, those of you who understand Jewish faith. So there's three things that we tell here. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, with your mind and your strength. So here's the checkup that I want want us all to do. We need a test to figure this out. Number one, love the Lord your God with your heart and soul. With your heart and soul. That is your affection. In other words, where are your emotions? You see, when I look in the scripture, I see passionate worship. I see in the Psalms, and, and you know, and, and I believe that over the, over the centuries, we've tamed worship down. I think that's what Satan does. He was a worship leader. He knows how to get us out of there. And so what ends up happening is our worship has been tamed rather than amped up. Our worship should be amped up. You know, if you look in the Bible, you find verses about being quiet and still and reverent and solemn. It's not there. When you look in the Bible, it says that there is shouting, there is uh, clapping, there is dancing, there is all these kinds of things. And you know what? When I, when I look at that, when I see what the Bible talks about worship, it seems like more like what we do at a, at a concert or a sporting event. That's the fact, I, I remember going to the Orioles Stadium, a more old Memorial Stadium one time, and it was a tie game. It was in the 10th inning, and I'll tell you how long this, ago this is. Some of you remember the name Larry Sheets. Larry Sheets got a base hit, scored a run. He came in. My friend, we were cheering. We were high-fiving people. My friend Paul stopped, turned around, and there's this guy and this girl, and he hugged the girl. I was waiting for him to get a hit. He hugged somebody's girlfriend, you know? And I'm like, I looked at him. I said, dude, what are you doing? He goes, I don't know. It's crazy. What? You know? And we act like, when's the last time you got so excited in worship that you stood up, you, you, you clapped your hands to God, you said, yes, and you turned around and hugged somebody's girlfriend. Don't dry it. I mean, but you know what I mean? When's the last time that happened, that God moved you so much? And if you don't believe me, look at people at kids' sporting events or soccer events. People are ready to do battle in those stands. People are ready to shout and cheer, you, yeah, it's 55 to nothing. We scored, oh, wow, we just scored a goal, 55 to one, you know? I mean, we, we exist this way in those areas. When we're at, rock, at concerts, we're like, yeah, we're, we're doing all the things. And what God tells me when I see that is that's worship. That is worship. And God says, it's okay that you love those things, but what about me? What about me? Number two, our minds. That is our attention. And so our attention is simply this. What do you think about the most? 
So, I mean, the first one was, what do, you, what do you love the most? The second one is, what do you think about the most? What are the things that go on in your mind? What do you think about? I would say that is what you worship. And the last thing is strength or action. What are you doing for God? We spend so much time and action in so many other things in our lives. We spend time on our lawn. How often does it take you to do your lawn? An hour, a couple hours? At the gym? Reading? Internet? How many, you ever checked how much time you spend on the internet? So what I'm asking here is what do you do the most? What is it you do the most? Because what you do the most is probably what you worship. You see, in the last days, as we close this out today, it says it's going to be for your worship, just as it was in the first days for the worship of God. I don't, you don't need me to tell you what to worship or how to worship or what you're worshiping that God wants to be in place of because you have the Holy Spirit to do that. And I'd say that everybody here or people watching has God on your list. But where is he on your list? Is God number one worship in your, in your life? Or is he somewhere down in the rankings? You know, story number one told us this. It asked us this question. Who will you not worship? And what are you going to do if you, if, if you don't bow down? Are you going to be willing to not bow down to those things and give Jesus your best? In 2 Chronicles, it says, For the eyes of the Lord range through the whole earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. He wants, he's not looking for, for people who, who do the right things all the time. He's looking for the people who have a heart for him, who love him. And story number two asks us the other question, who will you worship? And I can tell you, for, as for me and my house, when the struggles come, and when the struggles don't come, we will serve the Lord. John 4 says this, Yet a time is coming and is now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind to worship the Father's need. God needs you to be a worshiper of him. You were created to worship God, to love him, and to worship him. And for those of us who are planning on going to heaven, through a relationship with Christ, guess what? That's what you're going to spend eternity doing, so get used to doing it right now. So I'd like you to just stand where you are right now, and I'm just going to give a prayer. Lord God, as we um, come to you right now, with all the things in our hearts and mind, with many areas of confusion and wise, with areas that some of us have so deep of hurt that we can't begin to see the light of your love, we we realize that our hearts are hurt. We realize, God, that we've given our worship elsewhere. We realize that, God, um, the culture has pulled us to a different area that we don't even know who we are, let alone who you can be for us or who you are for us. And so, God, during this right time, some of us are so broken, we can't even find the rest of our pieces, and so we need you to put us together. God, some of us are just are in a point in life where it's a time of transition and we are confused about what days ahead, but God, go ahead and, and we just pray that you'll just say, this is the way. I'm going to lead you through it. May we be found faithful like Daniel and keep doing and amp up our worship of you. May we be like Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego and embrace the fact that, God, we know you can and you're able, but help us accept, but even if you don't, 
We're not going to commit to anything else but you. So God, even you yourself, before you faced the cross, said, Father, if there's any other way that you can deal with this without my death, do it. But if not, I'm ready. And so it is through your son, Jesus Christ. There may be somebody here for the first time and maybe somebody at home that is just saying to themselves, hey, you know what? I've, I've had a lot of the, but if you don't, God, and I need to know you. And so God, right now, if there's somebody here who just needs to open their lives and say, I need a savior, you're it. I don't understand all this theology and stuff, but I need something in my life to bring healing. If that's you, just kind of raise your hand where you are. It's okay. It's okay to do so. There's somebody else who just feels like they're so disconnected and doesn't know where the next step is. Go ahead and just tell the Lord. You know, you don't even have to raise your hand. You can say, it's me, God. And he knows, and he knows. So God, during the rest of this time we have together and throughout this week, the prayer that I've been praying for a long while and amped up even more so this week. God, do your thing because I can't. And I need your strength to carry on. In his name we pray. Amen. Stephen, ministers and people will be up here to pray with you if you need to do so. Please feel free to come on up.
Amen. Lord God, I just want to just um, thank you for your presence and, um, and just let us know that no matter what it is, um, there is power. Power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. And so whatever we're going through, whatever we're facing, that we know that um, it is in the name of Jesus, that every knee will bow, every tongue confess that you are Lord. So God, uh, you, um, you have a great name, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody have an awesome week. Next week, we're going to continue the series right there. Stop the insanity. And um, if anybody wants to bleach their hair and be Susan Powder for the week, we can go for it. Have a great week. God bless.